You know, I love that. I love the the name of Ark Church, a That's reasonable right. Christianity. That's because right. <laughs> um, as you keep telling us, you know, um, Christianity is reasonable. Very. Very, very reasonable. Mm. And uh, and we love having conversations That's right. about God and yeah. God's stuff. That's and right. we love answering people's questions. That's right. Particularly when they're doubting and they're... They're a little confused and they've got sort of caught up in culture mm. and they have lost their way. That's right. And it doesn't mean that they don't believe that there is a God, but they're just, uh, they're just sort of on, the, on a path that's a little bit off kilter and yep. we'd like to bring them back. So, that's and that's right. a very reasonable thing. Very, very reasonable. And <laughs> so good afternoon, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> I, like the, I like that way. I like that intro there. We are, in fact, a bunch of reasonable people. Exactly. Because Christianity is a reasonable faith yeah and uh, and that's what we're we continue to look at as yeah. we as we have had had our little journey through the Ten Commandments yes. and you know just because something's old doesn't mean that it's now out of date and it's no longer relevant that's right and uh, and and I think in society too if we we're going to extrapolate that out a little bit sometimes you know old people are put on the shelf but they've got yeah. a, a lifetime's worth of experience that they can be passing on that's right and the Bible has got a generation's worth of um, things that have happened in the world that has been recorded that we can learn from rather than making the same mistakes. That's right. And repeating re- repeating history or whatever. Yeah. So the and the 10 commandments is one of those things that leads us into a place of actually living right and living fulfilled lives yeah. and being able to have the full potential that God has put in us yeah. um, lived out in our lives rather than running around in circles or running around the mountain ten that's times right. and, and not right. getting it right. And so that's you what made, we've been doing. You made a good comment there, uh, which I actually want to jump on. Uh, something is basically gone a bit uh, wayward with our society today mm. because we've placed values uh, in places where they don't belong. You expect vigor from youth, but not wisdom. No, that's right. You don't expect wisdom from youth. You expect vigor. Mm. So it used to be the more vigor and strength decrease, the more wisdom is acquired. And so, but what we've done is, if you dismiss the old and you, you confuse vigor and wisdom, you end up with a lot of mistakes. And I think, uh, I was actually thinking of a biblical story. I don't know if you know this one. Uh, straight after Solomon died, the wisest king, mm-hmm. straight after Solomon died, uh, you know, his son, um, Roboham, uh, takes the reign. Yeah. And the elders come to, to see him. And they say, hey, look, uh, your, your dad actually made our lives quite hard. But we want to work with you. Uh, we want to, to you know, uh, build things together. And he's um, like, okay, I've, I've heard you. I'll get back to you. Then he goes and consults his mates. Yes. His friends. So they advise him to say, tell those old people, my dad made your burden heavy. I make it ten times heavier. So when he went and told them, it wasn't wise. The kid. No, no. So the elders went and got together with Jeroboam, who was popular, but who was Solomon's servant. And guess what? The kingdom that his dad left to him got split into two. Yeah. And Roboam went with two tribes, mm. 
Judah, which was his tribe, and Benjamin. Yeah. It became the kingdom of Judah. And the kingdom of Israel, which had ten tribes, went with the servant. Mm. Because he went with the advice of his young mate. Yeah. He lost ten tribes. He lost ten tribes. So That's he lost right. a lot more than he gained. That's right. Because That's right. the, yeah, the taxes for two tribes wouldn't have been as much as That's for right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, there know? you go. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, with that little tangent out yeah. of the way, no, that was uh, that's good, and, and uh, it's a good point. We to like make. having, yeah, yeah, we like having reasonable conversations, and that's we, right. we certainly love being able to talk about the Word of God. Yeah. And at the moment, we are on the sixth commandment, yes, which um, we have decided that the word murder is the correct word yeah. rather than kill. Some translations say thou shalt not kill. Yeah, but we, especially the King James, yes. Yeah, so uh, we've gone back to the uh, original text yes. and you've, um, you've fed that out and, so and we now understand that mm. murder in, in the context of what we're talking about That's is right. That's the right. right term. So thou shalt not murder. This yes. is the second part. Yeah of what we are teaching or what you've been teaching about. Yes, that's right. So you've got two Hebrew terminologies there. Mm. Uh, so one is the broad general ahag, uh, which says kill. Uh, but the the term used there is not ahag, is ratach. So which is a different term, which is specific to thou shalt not murder. And so the King James Version did translate it in thou shalt not kill because English has changed over time, okay, kill then uh, had the connotation of do not murder. But now today, it's no longer that because murder, thou uh, shalt not murder, is the most accurate translation there. So we also did make uh, the, the point that uh, when you look at the commandment itself, the broad uh, Jewish literature on, on this particular commandment uh, is because the killing, the unjustified, the immoral unjustified killing uh, had a broader implication in the understanding of the Jewish mind. Okay? So, the, you know, as Dennis Prager would say, the same, if you read Thou Shall Not Kill, Within the same context of the Exodus, the same God who said, said "Thou shalt not kill," sent the children of Israel to war. Yes, they killed, yes. right? Yes. Uh, so it was not about no killing. So uh, the, the the point is therefore to find the justification. We establish the justification that only God, who's the giver of life, is the only one who is allowed to take life. Yeah. Because life that we receive from God is a gift. We don't, God doesn't owe us a thing, okay? He doesn't. And so, in that sense, in fact, when God takes a life, he's in his right to do so, all right? Yeah. And so, when God decides that you're coming into the world now, or your life ends now, it's not as he has to justify to us why that is the case. Mm. He's the creator. By him, for him, and through him, the New Testament says, all things were created. So, in that sense. But human beings are not to take life unless it is justified morally. And there are only two reasons. Okay? One is in self-defense. The second one is in war, but so long as it is a just war. A war that is justified. Okay? Uh, for example, I'll say that 
if God sends uh, people uh, as a command to go into a war, that is justified by the divine command theory. Mm-hmm. Okay? But it's not just somebody packs up, God has told me I'm going to go to war. Well, look, if somebody starts to do something like that, they need to know they will face God at some point. Mm. And he will say, well, I didn't authorize you to go and do something like that in my name. So this is why wars must be very scarce. And no one should pike up and say, I'm going to war because God told me so. Yeah. That is really good caution day. We can say, well, okay, well, war is justified if God says so. So I'm going to pike up and say, God told me. Well, the Bible says, woe unto the person who pikes up and say, God told me when he didn't. Mm. Because that violates another commandment, an earlier commandment. Remember the commandment that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not bring disrepute to the name of God by going to do evil things in the name of God. God will not let anybody go unpunished or hold somebody guiltless who takes the name of the Lord in vain. So the commandments are set up so that the fear of God, remember, I am the Lord your God, first commandment, you know, they shall not be to you the God of others, okay? Yeah. And then you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, mm-hmm. shall honor Sabbath, and then you shall honor your mom and dad. They are layered so that you don't get to this point of murder and go, oh, I'm just going to pack, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to go to war in the name of God. No, you will be violating commandment number three. Mm which says, do not bring disrepute, do not commit evil in the name of God. Yeah. It's the worst, it's the terrifying command. Mm. It's the command for which there is no forgiveness. There's no way out. Mm. So that's why wars should be scarce. And anyone who's going to go to war in the name of God must make sure. Because if you do that, you know, like I've seen the West going to war, you know, for just cause. Well, no. Who determines what it just goes? Are we going to go and establish democracy? It just goes. No. No. Mm. So all these wars in the name of democracy, not just. No. Not just. Forget it. Mm. So so <laughs> let's just, insta- so I can see you, show you that the taking of human life is on very narrow, narrow, narrow ground. Yes. Self-defense, which must be demonstrated that it was actually your life would have been terribly in danger, so therefore you had to react. Therefore, there's no justification for taking the human life. Why? Because God established the reason why human life can't be taken. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, because man was made in the image of God. Yeah. So we've hammered that so much so but you can see that this is absolutely not a matter to joke around with. This is serious. Mm. Human life is in the image of God. And guess what? No other life is in the image of God but human life. Yeah. That's why there is no intrinsic moral value attached to animal life. When the lion kills a gazelle, the lion is not murdering a gazelle. We're not going to go, well, you murdered that gazelle, so now we're going to take you to tribunal. Hey, Mr. Lion, why did you commit murder? No. Mm. The lion doesn't commit murder. Even when a young lion kills an older lion out of the pride because it's his reign now, we don't consider it a murder because this is between animals. This is why I think 
It has been a terrible mistake in Western thinking these days where human be uh, animals are being equated with human beings. Now, it sounded as though we are elevating animals to human beings, but we're not. What we're doing is actually we, we're bringing the value of human being down to animals. Yes. Because yes. we know that intuitively that human beings are not animals and animals are not human beings. Yeah. Forget Darwinism. So your dog may be cute, but it's not a human being. I'm sorry. Your cat may be really nice and cute, but it is not in a human being. It's also made in the image of God. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. You can still love them. <laughs> That's right. And you can still have them. Love them, and have can, them, yeah, yeah, cuddle them. Take them to the vet. But do all they you are not human. But they're not humans. And that's why you've got to be very careful when you say, we've got to kill this humanely. There's mm. no humane way of killing. I understand the sentiment. It's like what? Do you have to kill human beings humanely? Is it a humane way of killing human beings? No. Because human beings must not be killed on the ground that only God gives life and only God takes life. Now, you can be compassionate. Mm-hmm. You can be proper. In the way you you don't need to you know be, you abuse animals you don't need you know that you know uh, you know uh, unjustified violence, but human beings were given to, uh, animals were given to men for meal for food, right? You vegetarian, I get that, I honor, respect that, but the Bible says that all the, God said that to Noah. Yeah, I I gave you vegetables in the garden, but now I'm giving you including animals for food. Yeah, anything that walks along the ground. That's right. Mm. So that's just a way of rounding up the things that we said. And we established that when we say human beings are, you are in the image of God, we don't mean that they're biologically. No, God is not biology. No. God is spirit and is a, is a soul. God is a soul. So human beings are in the image of God because they are persons. And what makes us persons is not our biology. What makes our persons is the fact that we have a soul. And our soul is a capacity to think to feel and to decide. Mm. Capacity for rational thoughts. Yeah. That's what makes the person personality of a human being. Yes. And so we're going to be opening the Matthew chapter five that we looked at last time because we're looking at the murder of the soul. Yes, and we did give that as a um, bit of homework for our listeners. Didn't That's we? right. So I hope they have got up to that. But if not, That's while this right. music is playing, you can uh, you can look that up and uh, we'll be back. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and that was Michael W. Smith yes. with Israel Horton and Help is on the Way. Yeah. Well, Help is Fair definitely on the way. That's right. Um, because we're, we're turning to Matthew chapter 5. Yes. And we're going to start looking at what Jesus said from verse 21. That's right. Let everybody open their text in Matthew. And so I'm going to read uh, here... Um, I've got a couple of versions uh, to read from. Let's start by the uh, modern contemporary. But no, no, let me start with um, the King James. Ye have heard it was said by them of all time, thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Mm. 
It's very, very interesting the way just layering this. Now, when, when we, we were here last Sunday, I did make the case so that people can see what the Sermon on the Mount is, is about. Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, uh, you know, take on Moses. All right. Remember, the, uh, the Hebrew Bible is the Tanakh, Torah, Nevim, and Ketavim, Tanakh. Now, the Tanakh uh, is the law. That's Moses. Mm-hmm. And it's got Nevim. That's all the prophets. Yeah. Um, and then, so Judges, Joshua, First, Second Samuel, all those, all the major prophets, four major and 12 minor, all of them are within that uh, Nevim space. Then you've got the writing, the Ketavim, the Psalm, the Proverbs, and so on and so forth. So Ecclesiastes and all the others. Now, so Jesus says, hey, I didn't come to do do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. We said last Sunday that Jesus came to raise the bar. He raised the bar so high uh, that I've, I've listened to preachers who not knowing what to do with the Sermon on the Mount, because Sermon on the Mount basically establishes how impossible it is to be able to live by the law of God. Mm. That's the whole point. So Jesus came to raise the bar so high so that when he takes that burden, you feel it. You see, Judaism is a religion by works. This is why many Jews don't understand sin by intention. I was listening, as I said last Sunday, listen to Dennis Prager, like, he doesn't get it. You can't, you can't indict somebody by just intent without having acted on it. If somebody acts on it, then you go from the act to establish the head, the intent to act, then you can render that. That's why our justice system is set that way. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So he says to me, I was listening to him, that to me that makes sense. That's why the statement by Jesus that if you look at women with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery, didn't make sense to Dennis Prager. Doesn't say so no. You know, you can't just simply now say, well, you've committed adultery because you were looking at that woman with lust in your heart. But we believers, we have to stick to what Jesus said. Yeah. You have heard it was said. But I you say. shall not commit adultery, mm. but I say. Mm. So what he was establishing, since he had Shemika, I, told, I, told, I talked about last time, authority. Mm. And at this time, you had Shemai and Halal, Hillel, who were the rabbi with authority. In other words, they had the authority to interpret Moses. Not everybody just piked up and said, Moses said that, but I think it's this. You know, or Moses said that, but this is how I understand Moses, and everybody apply yourself in this understanding. So that was called Shemika, authority, to interpret Moses. So everybody else had to interpret Moses through the school of a rabbi with Shemika. So the people in the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, people like Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, these people recognized that Jesus had Shemika. Mm. Okay? So that's why you could say, you've heard it was said, I say. So by the, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus sitting in the Moses chair. And so, it, but when he sits in Moses chair, he raised the bar even higher. Why? Because it must be so hard for us to reach the standard he set. So that when he takes us under his yoke, he bears the yoke. Yes. He makes his yoke lighter yep. for us because he bears it. Mm. That's what I'm going to say. He raises the bar so high that every single person on this planet would have broken this command. Mm. 
Mm. The manual command has been broken by every single person on this planet. And you cannot redeem yourself from this particular command or the breaking of it unless you run to Jesus. Mm. So he bared it. So this is, it's called the murder of the soul. Yeah. Okay. Every single human being has committed this one. Mm. He's actually murdered. So what does Jesus say there? You have heard it will say you shall not murder. How did they measure murder in the Jewish communities? You literally kill somebody physically. Mm. Jesus said, no, I've moved the realm of sin from act to intent. So the same way it was with adultery, now it is with murder. So if you have, the King James put it says, if you have anger, that is unjustified. Mm. Yes. Mm. Now one might think, well, there is anger that is justified in some ways. What is the justification for you being angry at someone? You see, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says God is gracious, abounding in mercy. And so in that sense, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that, you know, blessed are those who show mercy because they will receive, receive mercy, right? And Jesus said, establish, if you read the same text, if you go all the way to when he teaches the Lord's Prayer, he finished by saying, if you don't forgive man, God will not forgive you. So your reception of mercy from God depends on the fact that you, you, you must, you must extend mercy because you have been a recipient of divine mercy. Yeah. So there is no justification for anybody to be angry at anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's going to be a biggie, isn't it? That's right. Mm. There is no justification for anybody to hold and harbor anger in anybody's heart because we receive mercy from God every morning. Yes. Mm. When somebody doesn't extend mercy, they're setting themselves in God's chair. You've heard me say this before. Mm. Every commandment broken, it is a sin committed first against God. Yeah, It is for this reason that Jesus said if you're angry with somebody, now the Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. The Bible says let, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. In other words, just, you know, catch yourself up, take the matter, stick it in the hands of God so that now it's like if somebody, you know, smash your car, you know, you put them in the hands of the police so that the law applies. Mm. If you turn around and you punch them, guess what? And you and them both are going to be charged. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when King James uh, translates that particular statement of Jesus is if you are angry at, you know, with that justification, it's basically to say there is no justification for you to be angry. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now think about it for a moment. Who right now has never been angry with somebody and has held that anger at this for a day, a week, a month, yes. a few years, 25 years going, and every time you think about that person, you clench your fists, you're murdering them in your heart. Mm. You have. Mm. Unjustifiable on top of that. You can say it is hard. I know. It is hard because that's where Jesus set the bar. For you to avoid that murder in your heart, you run to Jesus who has forgiven all humanity. And if you're not in Christ, I'm saying the first thing is run to Jesus, confess your sins, right? Because then he can take, he can remind you, vengeance is mine. Yeah, yeah. I will repay. I can guarantee you, you don't have the means that God has to be able to make anybody pay for whatever you think they've done against you. Mm. God has the means. And often, His, His grace, 
wouldn't you, would you be happy if the person who did the wrong thing to you then got redeemed? It's the best thing. Let them be redeemed. I've seen people like, how can somebody do such thing wrong and, and one day God forgives them? Well, yes, because that's the domain of God to forgive. Mm. If the person sought God with all their heart, God forgives them. Righteousness is multiplied. What do you want? Do you want evil to continue to be multiplied? The person is not forgiven. They stay in a state of sin. They go and do it over and over and over again. So unrighteousness is multiplied. That is the unrighteous heart of man wanting multiplication of righteousness. God would rather the repentance of the evil man. God doesn't wish for any evil person to perish. Yeah. Yeah. But he wished them to come to repentance and to the knowledge of him so that now mercy and righteousness will be multiplied. And that person will be work, walking in the destiny that God actually put on their That's life to right. start with, which is to do something good and right and precious is in right. the world today. So holding anger and bitterness in the heart is the multiplication of unrighteousness and murderous, yeah. murderousness in the in heart. Mm. So Jesus therefore said there, hey, so you've heard you say, do not commit murder. I say, don't hold anger in your heart against someone. Yeah. There's no justification. Number two. So you've heard it will say, do not murder. But I say, if you say to someone, raka, raka, it means useless. Mm -hmm. It means useless. Now, this is quite a step. A step here, raka is use. Think about when you say somebody daily, useless. What you're doing here, you're nullifying the purposes of God for them. That person, yeah. And if you say, and especially if you treat them as useless, and they come to believe that they are stupid, useless, idiotic, and so on and so forth, you have conditioned their soul to depart, to walk away from the purposes of God for them. Mm. Let me show you how, how, how you know, uh, when you say useless, you, you therefore misuse the person. And the word misuse can also be termed abuse, abnormal use. Okay, yeah. So I've got an iPhone here in front of me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not making any adverts about them. I'm just saying that's the phone I'm using. Yeah. And everybody knows the use of this phone. Mm -hmm. If you found me, you know, making soup, even if I'm making the soup for you, but you saw me, you know, using the, this iPhone as a... Stirring it <laughs> as a spoon. Can you imagine the look on your face? Here's a story I heard from India. A, a girl bought a, a an iPad for his dad, and then she was living in the US. She sent it, and his dad got the phone. She wanted to visit, uh, got the iPad. When she got there, she was anxious to see how her dad was using the uh, the iPad. So as she got there, she said, Dad, how's your iPad? I said, oh, I'm loving it. This thing is amazing. And as she's talking, she saw him with a onions with a knife and on an iPad and chopping First of all, she's like, oh. he's chopping the onions, he put it in a fry pan, and then he takes the iPad to the tap, turns the water on, and... Cleans it down. Cleans the onions. Uh-oh, yeah. What do you reckon the, the look on the face of this young lady? She would have been absolutely floored. Abuse is happening yeah. right there. Yeah. Abnormal use. Yeah. Man was made in the image of God with purpose and with meaning. Yeah. So when you say somebody is meaningless, is purposeless, or you take them out of the intent for which God, God had created them in his image, he gave them a sense of identity. The identity of man is found in God, his purpose and meaning. So if you take them out of that purpose and intent of God, 
you have murdered their soul. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to sit on this one because I've, I've done quite a bit of systematic on this so I can prove it to you biblically. All right. Well, we're going to uh, have a listen to Band Reeves with Come Rest and then we'll be right back.
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are continuing the conversation around the commandment, thou shalt not murder. That's right. And we have just explained that um, it's not just about murder of the physical self, mm. but that there is... Uh, there is a way that we can murder the soul. That's right. And as we murder the soul, we kill the potential of the person who's That's been right. created in God's image. That is right. So I was saying that men, when, when the Bible talks about murder, it doesn't just simply focus on the physical self. No. Men is not just the physical self. Mm. We can demonstrate that in so many ways. Man is the outer man and the inner man. Mm. And when the, you look at the inner man, I remember man is tripart. Is a tripart being. So you've got the outer being, outer self. You've got the inner self, which is the soul, mm-hmm. the center of personality, the center of thoughts, understanding, the center of human emotions, the center of human will is the inner man, the soul of man. It's what makes man, man. The center of consciousness, the center of memory, short, long-term, and, and, and subconscious memory. Uh, you know, the mind of man is the center of imagination mm-hmm. and the center of conscious self. What makes man different from the rest of the animal is because man has got the first person self-consciousness. I am man. It's the reason why there's a difference between pain and suffering. I'm just going to open something else. Here. Pain is not necessarily suffering. Pain is what engages our physical outer self. You know, I break my leg. I've been, I've been pain. Yeah. It's the signal through the nervous system sending to the brain uh, the signal that a part of ourselves has been broken. Suffering, however, is human reflection upon pain. Mm. Right, yes. Somebody can be in pain without suffering and somebody can be in pain and suffer tremendously. One event can happen to two people. A painful event but then result in suffering from one and no suffering from the other based on how the soul of men react to the event. Mm. See, for example, I'll give you an example. I had the story of two brothers, two brothers uh, born of the same dad, and the dad was alcoholic, abusive, beat them up, all sorts of stuff. And one of the boys ended up being alcoholic and the other ended up being really successful on Wall Street. So they were interviewed, both of them. Given your background, how come you ended up here? They all answer the question the same way. With a dad like mine, what would you expect? Really? Okay. Now, the one who ended up in alcoholism and ended up in drugs and stuff like that, is like with a dad like mine, alcoholic, abusive, what would you expect? The one who ended up on Wall Street, had a family, made himself a good life, said, with a dad like mine, what would you expect? Mm. What changed? The response of the inner man, the soul of man, is capable of engaging with our pain totally differently. Yeah. I've made a lot of cases like that. You know, I had two sisters I know. I know them personally. They grew up in the same family, the same parents, and one is bitter against God and one loves Jesus. Mm. They, were, they had a same, same traumatic background uh, in, a, in a family, but one loves Jesus and the other one is angry against God. Yeah. What made the difference? The one said, well, I ran to God. In that moment, I ran to God because it's only God who could look after me, who could soothe me. And the other one said, I hate that God. Mm. What's the difference? The soul of man 
is a center of personality, center of human reflection, center of intellectual thoughts, center of, you know, emotional experience. It is center of decision. You know, it is a center of memory, long, short, and subconscious, conscious thought and imagination. The soul of man is the center of human personality. Mm. Yep. And then man has got the spirit, which is, you know, the substance of God, right? So, in that sense, it's the soul of man that helps men interact with the physical life and the spiritual life. Yeah. When you read your Bible, your intelligence engages the Bible. You feel in your soul something about it. And then that's how your spirit gets fed. Yes. Because of the interaction of your soul with God's word. Yeah. You interact with it intelligibly. You see what I mean? Reasonably. That's right, reasonably. And so in that sense, the soul of man is extremely crucial. Mm. Now, a soul can be murdered. You can actually murder the soul. It doesn't mean that you, you, you sort of wipe it out of existence. The body, if you will, seems to be wiped out of existence. No, it goes down to the dust. Mm. The body was dust, goes back to dust. That's it. Yeah. In other words, the particles that made the body still there is in dust. The soul of man gets disconnected from God's purposes, God's given identity. The identity of man is in God, not in self or in society, what society says about you. No, it's what God says about you. It's the source of your life, the source of purpose. So if anybody gets deviated from his identity in God, that which God says you are, and get deviated from the purposes of God for you, they have murdered. Yeah. Mm. Samuel, are you, are you serious about this? Yes, I am. John chapter 8. Let's open it. Who was the first murderer, I may ask? People may think, well, Cain was the first murderer. No. The Bible doesn't say Cain was the first murderer. Mm. Mm -hmm. John chapter 8. Now, those who are Bible readers would already be there before I do. From verse 42, but I'm looking for verse 44, is my fundamental key text here. Oh, okay. Yes, I understand. Jesus mm. said to them, if God were your father... You would love me, and for I came from him, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Okay? Mm. You're in God. You understand God's people, God's value. Remember, human being has got an intrinsic worth because he was made in the image of, of God. Mm. Image means a true rep a representation. They, you know, when you look in the mirror, you know, the image of God, right? God is person. His communicable attribute is what we have. We don't have his incommunicable. Though he exists by the necessity of his nature. We don't. Okay? He's eternal in the past, in the future. We're not eternal past, but we're eternal in the future. And so I can give you all those kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he goes on to say to them, You belong to your father, the, the devil. For you want to carry out your father's plans or desires, intents. Which is what? Refuse to believe the identity of Christ. Mm. Came from God. Yeah. Okay. He's who God said he was. So he was who? The devil was who? The murderer from the beginning. Not holding the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil murdered Adam and Eve. Yeah. He's the first murderer. Mm -hmm. How did he murder them? 
He took the soul away from the true identity made in the image of God. You know, God had put them there and he said, well, look, God lied to you. All right? God lied to you. So anyone who disconnects you from the image, the, the identity that is in God, that you were made, that person has murdered your soul. Mm. And let me put it this way. If you deliberately or intentionally disconnect people from this is why you must be very 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 careful when you make comments about other human beings mm. i've seen i've met people who have their lives have been absolutely in mess just because a teacher at school said to them that they were not good enough in something I, i've told this story i met a young lady beautiful pretty and she had she was involved in a a play at school and she had a crush on this young boy at age 10 she had a cross on this young boy. And the play was that at the end, she would sort of fall into his hands and he would catch her. And this 10 years old boy basically didn't catch her. He let her fall and he said, you're too ugly for me to touch. Okay? Mm. Innocent. Did the boy know what he's saying? No. There's no what he, No. But the impact of those words were long lasting. When I met this young lady, she was in her 30s. And still felt ugly. Could not hold relationship. Mm. She she couldn't believe. Uh, she was one of the prettiest girls I'd ever seen. And Melissa and I, we used to look at her and say, well, she's pretty as. Mm. But she believed that she's ugly. Why? Because she was told she was ugly. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying here, it'll ring true to a lot of people. People have spoken words that have murdered the soul of others. Fool. Stupid. Can't you do anything, right? You're an idiot. You won't amount to anything. You're an you idiot. You'll never be any good. You'll never be anything. Yeah. But first of all, who gives you such right? Now, who are you? Who are you to say to somebody they will never amount to anything? Mm. Did you make them? Did you create them? Do you hold the key to people's lives? No. How can you be so arrogant? Yeah. God will hold you so, especially those people who are harsh, judgmental, insulting, you know, carelessly speaking, with, especially your children. Parents, watch out. Remember the, 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 the comment right before this one was, honor your mom and dad, right? Because yep. your mom and dad have the responsibility of being like God in the life of the children. Mm. Be careful what you say. Yeah. Oh, that child is an idiot. Oh, he's useless. Jesus even went to say, if you say somebody, you're a fool... You're an idiot. You are at risk of hell. Yeah. I've heard pastors who try and wriggle around, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. No, Jesus was just simply saying the people had to live a happy life. Well, okay, tell me. You said to somebody they're a fool, they're an idiot, like this young lady, and now she couldn't hold a relationship. Any man she'd ever met who said to her she was, he was, she's beautiful, she couldn't believe them. And guess what? If you ever met people like that, I'm like, they like bottomless well. There's no amount of you know, uh, you know, positive affirmation you can do that will ever work mm. because somebody stuck. Then the Bible says, "Life and death is to the power of the tongue." Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. you imagine? I was told when I was growing up that I couldn't talk, I couldn't tell a story, I couldn't explain anything. In fact, I stammered. I was told by pe people then that I would amount to nothing. I couldn't do. I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell a story. I used to cry all the time. Me sitting here right in front of you. Yeah. It took God to heal me. Yeah. For me to actually believe that I was worth anything. Don't you ever say to your children, you're worthless. You're murdering their soul. Mm. And so it's not just that you may not have murdered them physically, 
But what is the point if they carry their entire life believing they couldn't amount to anything, they end up in drugs, they end up... For example, do you know, for example, most, most of the girls you meet on the street who, who, who trick themselves you know, they, with their abuser? Very often the abuser would have been in their ears to say, well, look, nobody will ever love you. Uh, you, you actually should thank, you should be thankful that I'm actually even... Paying you any attention. Mm. Yeah, that is said a lot. Mm. Watch out. Yeah. This is serious. Jesus raised the bar so high. As I said earlier, there's no human being who can say they have never murdered somebody in the heart of their words, sometimes without knowing. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wrap this up um, after we've had a little listen to uh, a band called Trinity with Masterpiece of Love. Not the signs of peace on earth And wondrous joy Will the Messiah find a cradle Will he find a heart to be his home A lonely stable Jesus, masterpiece of love Born unto us in Bethlehem We welcome Jesus, Christmas, we walk the walk to where it all began. Our God is with us. We glorify the Savior. We bring our gifts to the King who came to be a child in a manger. Jesus, my Sabbath of love, born unto us.
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we, I think we're on the home run, but maybe not. Not quite. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> right. So I did establish, I've established uh, a little, as we went, a, a very core point. That's in your conduct, yourself. Mm. Just be careful. You may not have grabbed a, 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 a physical knife to stab somebody in, in their physical self, but you may have used a, a knife of words. Mm. The utterance of your soul. Your soul can murder the other soul in its interaction. You may have picked up a bazooka of, of words. There are people whose just whose tongue cuts like like a machete, like a sword. Mm. You know, it could be a spouse, it could be, you know, a, a, a daughter, a son, it could be an uncle, it could be a t- there are people who have mastered the skill of basically just deflating other people's souls. Yeah. Yeah. Be very careful about that because yeah. Jesus raised the bar. Now, if you like, okay, Samuel, now I'm sure we all have done this. I have done it. Mm. We all have done it. Yeah, we have. So that's why we run to Jesus. Mm. He raised the bar so high so we can run to him and he can pick up the burden because only Jesus never, never broke the law. Mm. Now, here's another uh, element I'm going to add, uh, which is uh, very important. You remember at the beginning I said, the reason why God said that human life should not be murdered is because they are made in the image of God. Yeah. Being made in the image of God gives man intrinsic value. Yes. There are two types of value, intrinsic value and instrumental value. Okay. Intrinsic value is the value that is intrinsic in the person. It doesn't depend on they, they it doesn't depend on external factors. So God ascribed to human being a value and no human being can change that. Okay. It doesn't depend on what you do or what you have or don't have. Like right now, you can meet a human being who has no 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 no, no two legs and no two arms, yeah, yeah. And and you put them next to, let's say, you know, the the, the strongest. It's a Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali or you know Shaquille O'Neal. You know, it's not because this guy is tall and he's got big legs and big arms. Uh, that is more valuable than, let's say, you know, our, you know, Aussie Nick Vujicic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So because Nick and everyone else has God's given intrinsic value, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, instrumental value is when the value of the person is a means to an end. So the person is a means to an end. Uh, so what do we mean by that? For example, when you buy a ticket, a lottery ticket. It's a dollar, but the value of the ticket is because it may win you a million dollars. So that's the value of the ticket to you. Yeah. The ticket has got a value so long as it's a mean to an end. That's what the value, instrumental value is. So in that sense, in our society, you can have people who've got given instruments of value when we say, how much are you worth? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. What kind of car do you drive? What degree have you got? Uh-huh. What do you do for a living? That's right. Mm. Because of instrumental value, we have now had this thing that's called quality of life. Mm-hmm. It's as though your life is good, it's worth living, only if you had a car, had a house, you know, was in good health, you had two legs, you, know, you can still be walking. And once we moved from intrinsic value to instrumental value, guess what? It has led to a certain way we treat people in our society. Mm. Let's say a person who's on the street, homeless. Guess how they feel? When they come across a person who seems to have it all together, they've got a nice car, they drive. How does the homeless person feel? 
completely worthless. Worthless. Mm. Why? Do you think the person who's got a Ferrari is more worth than the person who is on the street and has got holes in 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 a, in it? No, we know that for this to be true. The the the, the, the uh, United Nations, you know, um, human rights declaration says what? We recognize all humans to be equal. Why? Why, why should they be equal? Because they were created equal by the Creator. Mm. Unless the value is attributed by the Creator, there's no equality there. Yeah. Why, why should a person who's mentally disturbed have the same worth and same value as Stephen Hawking or, or you know, Richard Dawkins or the top scientist? Mm. And yet we're still holding that they have the same value. It doesn't make sense given our societal structure because we attribute value based on how much money you've got, how intelligent. What is your IQ? Huh? Mm. So instrumental value has led to some of the things that we've started to pass in our laws right now. Our laws used to be built on people have intrinsic value. So our laws are being murderous right now. This is going to be huge. Yeah. I'm going to cite them. If you want, you want to have all the explanation on this one. But when, I, when the book comes out, then you can grab the book and you can read We've passed laws on euthanasia, assisted suicide. Why? Well, the person doesn't have quality of life. I watched this movie that was, you know, this gentleman was still whole, you know, um, uh, you know, he still had all his faculty. He just got involved in an accident and he was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. That movie glorified assisted suicide. He yes, it to, did. Yeah. yeah, I know the movie. Because mm. he believed that now he had no, no value anymore. Who said that? Mm. Well, think about Stephen Hawking. You know, the man was computerized, and yet... Look what he did. It's not because you have two legs no. or two arms. Mm. You are valuable in the eyes of God regardless. So watch out the way we start to instrumentalize people. The other thing is this passing of the transgender laws, the idea that people couldn't accept their identity based on how God made them. Mm. Because they've been told that somehow you have to define you based on how you feel. Your feelings. So we will encourage you to basically go out there and mutilate your body, if you will. Change the way you look. And many of these people, when they get to the other side and they're still not satisfied, and then guess what our society does? Their case is under the rug. Yeah, that's right. Nobody talks about them. Yep. God will hold every single human soul responsible who has instrumentalized the value of human beings and therefore murdered them yeah. in their soul. Yeah. To make them feel like they're worthless, that the value that God gave them is not enough. Mm. So this commandment encompasses the all of society. Remember commandment number five was how to live in a society. Commandment number six tells you how you relate with people. Do not murder people. No. They are made in the image of God. Yes. All right. Well, on that on that note, we will finish for today. Um, we are getting closer to uh, to Christmas, um, but we will be on air again next week to uh, to go to the next one, which is Thou Shalt Not Commit. Are we? Or we may be talking maybe. about Christmas because it's Christmas. Oh, that's, that's true. We may. Yes, so we might pause and uh, and have a Christmas message next that's week. Right. That's now, you can see these again on uh, Samuel's Facebook page and on A Reasonable Christianity's um, website, but... Uh, In the meantime, have a beautiful day and we will catch up with you all again next week.